Hello everyone and welcome back to the Irish Football Fans Podcast. It's been two months since our last episode. We've seen a new European champion crowned in Roberto Mancini's Italy. We've had two months of transfers, of speculation, of new contracts and or sorry, finally the new Premier League season in England kicked off last weekend, following the EFL kickoff the previous weekend. Joined again by Mark Kennedy from Hawkeye Psychic and Phil Flanagan from the Bottomless Pit of Football to discuss what the summer's transfers mean for Stephen Kenny, what the opening games of the season in England mean in terms of player selection, and we'll finish with a few predictions for the season ahead. It's good to talk to you again after two months off. Uh, how are you both doing? Yeah, been great, Joe. Hope all good with yourselves. Hi, lads. How are things? All good. Thanks. All right. So the four four two season preview has been read and reread multiple times. The homework is done. So uh, I'd like to start with uh, some of the transfers that have gone ahead over the summer. It's fair to say that for the majority of transfers, it was fairly underwhelming. There was very few Ireland players transferred into the Premier League, but the exception was uh, Nathan Collins, who left Stoke to sign for Burnley. Now, Collins is a player that's been highly thought of for a few seasons now. Uh, He was linked with a move to Manchester United before he'd established himself uh, in the Stoke City side. Didn't play at the weekend, but he was named on the bench by Sean Dyke. Mark, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing him play in the Premier League. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the the defence for Ireland. But was there any other transfers that caught your eye over the last two months? Yeah, I suppose going to Nathan Collins, that was a very interesting move, exciting move for the player. And I think just given Ben Mee and James Tarkowski, Burnley are still in financial bother here. I think one of those centre-halves goes at the end of the transfer window. I think Nathan Collins then gets a, and probably with Kevin Long as well, probably going to get some regular game time uh, with Burnley. The other one, probably James McCarthy to Celtic. If James McCarthy probably can get back to full fitness, I think he's a very able replacement for Scott Brown in the middle of the park for Glasgow Celtic. And then there's some fascinating kind of moves, potentially, you know, Robbie Brady got released from Burnley. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. And then there's a few kind of strikers there that have been mentioned from transfers, Adam Eda, Michael Opafemi. So it'll be just interesting with those guys where they will go, because we're kind of getting into the end of the transfer window. Players will want regular game time. So, so yeah, but I think James McCarthy for myself, in terms of Celtic, I think, is the other kind of prime move, I think. James McCarthy returning to Scotland where he started his career with Hamilton Academicals. You know, with Celtic, you know, he'll be hopefully playing European football. It's just, it feels that with Celtic for the last few seasons and the last number of transfers of Irish players that have joined the hoops, it's just been a bit of a graveyard when you look at it. Leah Connor, Jonathan Afalabi, Armstrong Okaflex, who I want to mention later on as well have all gone there and failed to make an impact in the first team at Celtic Park and you know their senior club appearances since moving to Scotland have all been on loan at Falabi in the Scottish Championship and Leo Connor with Tranmere. Do you think that James McCarthy can bulk that particular trend and force his way into the new managers starting eleven? Um, yeah, well I'd imagine that that's why he was bought like He's had a he had a good run of games last season, so like ideally he's 
probably the perfect replacement for Scott Brown, and he can do a lot more than him as well. He's 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 he'd be a much bigger talent than him. You know, he's a better range of pass and he can score goals. So I think if he can just say fit, it's just it's always that if with him. But he he had a good run last season, so you'd be, you'd be hoping he would he would stay fit for the season. Um, just on your your comments on the last number of players moving to Celtic, I wonder. Like I see Liam Scales is heavily linked with them as well, and I wonder what his thought process is on that. Take a chance or or not? I suppose like with the new manager, it's you'd like to think things are changing behind the scenes as well. So. Hopefully, if he did move, he would, would be one for the future, or even straight into the first team. But that's a that's a big potential move yet to happen, maybe. That's a fair point. You know, would Scales walk away from first team football with with Shamrock Rovers? And it looks like they're going to be playing in the new uh, Europa tournament this season. But he swapped that for playing in front of sixty thousand every week, every other weekend at Celtic Park, and they will always be in first or second favourite for every trophy that's in Scotland. It's a tough decision to make. The reports linking scales with a move to Scotland have also said that there are clubs in England interested in signing him. So, you know, you might have a, a big decision to make in future. You know, we mentioned Armstrong Okaflex there is one of the players who moved to Celtic. Uh, he left Arsenal to sign for the boys and did finally make his way into the first team at, towards the end of last season, but he's he moved south to the border again and is now playing for West Ham, where, you know, in his, in the first game of this, the Premier League 2 season, he scored a hat-trick against his former club, Arsenal, in front of uh, watching David Moyes. So it's a move that I think went a little under the radar, but it could, you know, provide us with another option up front. West Ham also have... Uh, underage player Mipo Odubico, uh, and my apologies if I'm mispronouncing his name, uh, whose international allegiance is perhaps under a little bit of doubt at the moment. Obviously, we hope that he continues with Ireland, but of course, he, he also qualifies for Nigeria, where his parents are from, and he also qualifies for England now uh, under the residency rule. Obviously, we're all familiar with uh, West Ham players, who changed their international allegiance. I don't want to cast any aspersions on the player. If he does decide to play for the uh, his his parents' country, I would have absolutely no issues with that. We've been the beneficiaries of many such decisions over the years, um, and I would genuinely wish him the, the very best of luck uh, with the, the Super Eagles. Not a uh, transfer, but uh, Graham Carey, uh, after winning the Bulgarian Cup with CSK Sofia, extended his stay in Sofia. It's not a player really that gets uh, mentioned when squads uh, are being discussed, but he's playing European football with CSK again this season. He's lifted a trophy in Europe that, you know, that's something that very few Irish players can ever say. Not really sure what the travel situation would be like, as in what restrictions would be in place that might stop him from from coming to Dublin to link up with Stephen Kenny's team. But, you know, he's he's definitely someone I'd I'd like to see talked about a bit more. Mark, what do you think? It's an interesting interesting kind of background there. You know, Sofia, you know, Bulgarian league wouldn't be one of the leagues that we would really kind of follow. But I think if the guy is in form, um, obviously... You know, his club in Bulgaria, I admire him. 
given that he's signed the contract extension. Player seems happy. It'll all depend again on Europe, European competition. If his club can get a little bit deep into the competition, get a little bit more focus. But yeah, certainly we have to be kind of realistic here and kind of run the rule on anyone. So really you'd hope that maybe Stephen Rice or Anthony Barry or someone's running the rule over him and maybe kind of making an assessment call and calling them into, into a training camp uh, in some shape or form. So yeah, again, you know, it's fair game, I would think, for the player. Do you think he'd be, I don't think he's a hope and hell, personally. Just because, is he 32? I just think he's been out of it so long or he's been away so long or not talked about. I think you've way too many options. Like, we obviously don't have that many options up front. And at the same time, we've load options. Like, if you think about Ida, Obafemi, you have Parrot, you have Callum Robinson playing up front for West Brom. Got a couple others there as well. Like, you have a lot of wingers and potentially he's come into the team who are younger. Like, you have Finn, Johansson, you have Connor Noss. There's a good few there. There's enough there to to keep the Irish lads not looking at, at Kerry, basically. Because I think he's he's gone too long, I think. It's just, he hasn't been looked at before. I, I think it's a bit late in the day. Like, it's not kind of like your James Collins situation where, you know, he's on your doorstep and you can see him score and see so you go, OK, well, look, travel up and we'll see what we can do. I just think it's a bit it's a bit too far gone. I don't know. not saying it's right, but I just think that's kind of the feeling I get. Realistically, he's not going to get called up, but... Uh, I did just want to highlight that he did lift a trophy at the end of oh, the season sure. with his club. Yeah. Um, and that's... Look, if he doesn't get called up after that, he's never going to get called up. He's one of these players that took a chance years ago and he went yeah. abroad. And he's, like, as you said, he's playing consistently. He's won a trophy. Like, counting your hands, the amount of Irish players who've done that since John O'Shea, like, there's not a lot who've, like, and, won trophies, played consistently. Anywhere. And even fewer that have done it... Yeah, outside of England, Scotland. Absolutely. Yeah, on that note, Zachary Elbuzetti has signed for Swedish club AIK, uh, signing a, a three-year contract with the Friends Arena Club. Took him a couple of games to get uh, into the first team, but he's started the last three in a, in a row. He was a favourite of Stephen Kenny at underage level. Some of his performances at club level didn't really seem to reflect the performances that he had for Ireland. With, but... Uh, he did play against AIK's manager when he was in charge of the Swedish underage side and obviously made a good impression and, and uh, is now reaping the benefits of it. Historically, Ireland managers don't look outside the British Isles for players. And when you think that uh, Sean McDermott, uh, who's playing regularly in goals for Christiansen in the Norwegian top division, doesn't get uh, a look in for Ireland teams, don't know if it'll be the same for Elbuzetti. Maybe his history with Stephen Kenny will be a factor in in that, in you know, the decision to call him up or not. But I think the the side of an Irish player moving to Europe, taking a chance in a, a club that you know might not normally be mentioned as a destination for Irish players, is a positive. You know, and even if you if you look beyond that uh, at underage level, you know, we have. The man with the best name in football for my money, Anselmo Garcia McNulty, signing his first professional contract with Wolfsburg. Connor Noss signing extension to his deal with Borussia Mönchengladbach. John Joe Patrick Finn in Spain. Ryan Johansson just gone right. alone. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, there's, there's plenty out there. Yeah, I think Ryan Johansson is actually one 
is is one of the big ones for me as well because he wasn't going to play for the Seville first team this season and going to Fortuna Sittard uh, again my apologies for mispronouncing the name in the Dutch first division in the Eredivisie he's going to learn how to play a technical brand of football that a, a lot of our players just don't get to experience Liam Kelly was with Feyenoord and didn't seem to do enough to get into the into the manager's thinking Crowley got to the final of the, the KNVB Cup and unfortunately Mick McCarthy missed his performance because he had to leave early to get a flight. Um, and Jack Byrne uh, at Cambor, uh, who were unfortunately relegated, but he got to play and score against Ajax. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Johansson does because he's, a, he's a, a very technically gifted player from what we saw from the under-21 friendlies at the end of last season. Um, and I think he's... The team that he's in, you know, to look at their record last season, they scored a lot, but they also conceded a lot. So I think they could be looking at him as the, the difference maker between a draw and a win or a, a loss and a draw. There were a few points outside the, the European playoff spots, and maybe they're looking at him as the, as someone who can push them into contention for that this season. You know, we mentioned players that we think might be called into the Ireland squad, and Looking down through the transfers, there's a couple of players who've made loan moves to League One. Uh, so Gavin Bazunu and Troy Parrish are the two names that immediately jump out. Parrish seems to have hit the ground running with MK Dons. Uh, he scored two goals in his last two games, as many as he scored in all of last season. So do you think that the players of, of the kind of quality that they do, that, that will be in Stephen Kenny's squad, but might not start, do you think they should be encouraged to look uh, abroad instead of you know slipping down two divisions in England? It's an interesting one. I think with Troy and Gavin, they're still very young. So I know Gavin Bazunu gave an interview at the end of the Republic of Ireland friendly matches between Andorra and Hungary and stated that he had a few European offers on the table, but then decided to go to Portsmouth, uh, which... Is another kind of, it'll be another beneficial kind of move for him. Same with Troy Parrott as well. I think there was a few European clubs after him as well. It's, it's a brave move, particularly for guys of that age. Again, if we want to kind of develop guys technically, they'll certainly get the experience in League One. They'll certainly get the physicality. They'll certainly get toughened up in that league. Again, next season could be a key one here for Gambazuna and Troy Parrott, particularly after a League One experience. If they're not getting any first-team football, think then you have to then consider probably European football. Summer in Holland, France, you know, good technical leagues. But again, it's it's a big move for these guys right now. I think they just need to get game time, get more experience under their belt. And once they do that, I think they'll kind of revel and get more secure game minutes wherever they're going to go the following season. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting question, Joe, because... I might be a bit too hard on Troy Parrott there, you know. Like I said, he only scored two goals last season. And mm. It's a lot to expect someone with that record to turn around to, say, someone in League One or even or the Eredivisie and say, I, I want to go and play and I want I want first team football, and their reaction will be, well, you don't really have the record for it. Particularly, so, Troy, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. The, perhaps the move to to MK Dons was the best thing for him. He probably wasn't going to get first-team football at Spurs if Harry Kane is fit and available and still playing for Spurs. Uh, he's going to start every game, end of story. So, realistically, the competition is for uh, his strike partner. And 
I don't think Troy Parrott is ready for that just yet. Just on those low moves, I think like when you talk about like looking for players to kind of look abroad and that, you're always kind of thinking midfielders who can go out and maybe learn something different. Like, what about Robbie Brady? Wouldn't you love to see Robbie Brady go abroad and and play oh, yeah, midfield definitely. or something like that? I think with, with Parrot and Bazuna, I think they're straightforward low moves because they both have straightforward goals. Like, Bazuna is, is still really young and all he's thinking about is getting first-team football. First-team football in League One at his age is brilliant and as Mark said, it will toughen him up. And with Parrot, Parrot just has has a target, scored this many goals and I'll probably get up to the championship next year or possibly into a Premier League squad again as a fringe player. So they're more straightforward. But you'd, you'd love to see some of our midfielders move abroad, like especially the likes of Brady or even Hendrick, like a noiser at Newcastle. But just to go and maybe learn a bit more of their craft abroad. For midfielders, I think it'd be great. I would even add maybe Connor Coventry or someone to that effect. Taylor as well from Peterborough, particularly the up-and-coming guys. I mean, is Robbie Brady or Jeff Hendrick, no disrespect to them, are they really going to make a move to continental European football now at their stage of their careers? I don't think so, really. Well, I, just, I just think, like, like their careers have both been on, like, downwards. Well, I know, like, Hendrick got to move to Newcastle, but they've both done nothing, really. Like, you know, maybe a change of scenery might be... Look at, like, it's not really abroad, but look at James McCarthy getting out of England. I'm sure James McCarthy had offers in the Championship. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he plenty, but he just said, no, need a change of scenery, need to get out of this and, and go try something even slightly different. Like, and, and even just to say, James McCarthy's gone and he's going playing, he might play a bit of European football, he might play in front of 60,000, instead of maybe going to somewhere like Preston and playing like week in, week out in front of 20,000 and maybe never having the chance to win anything. At his age, like that, it it was a bit like Duffy last year. Everyone kind of went, "Geez, yeah, Celtic's not bad. Like he might win something, or he might, you know, he's going to play in front of huge crowds, or he might get European football." Like it went terribly for him, but at the time it was a good idea. Like I just think something like that for Brady or Hendrick would be more beneficial to them. Because hasn't Brady been mentioned with Celtic a little bit? Just given the James McCarthy heading up there, I think there's been a few rumours. But yeah, I do get your point. You know. To revitalise the career a little bit, you know, it might be it might be an interesting move for Robbie because Robbie certainly has the talent and the technique to kind of impress in other leagues. I do think that Celtic will always be linked with any unsettled or free Irish player just because of their history, um, the fan base. James McLean was linked to them as well, but as we've seen, it was just announced that he's going to go back to former club Wigan. I wouldn't be too hard on on Robbie Brady either. I think for players that are kind of the same age as him, it's not just as simple as maybe move to a club in France or Spain or Italy. It's also about uprooting family. You know, his kids are settling in the area, friends, schools, and moving to, moving all of them, all of that, to another country to get settled while you go and play football is a, it's a, a lot to ask. I am surprised that he is still without a club, you know, as as we record. I know his his injury record hasn't been great, but you think that if he can prove his fitness, a championship club would snap him up. He's always going to be a a threat from set pieces, um, and there's plenty of strikers playing in the championship that would be happy to get on the kind of crosses that he can make. So I am genuinely surprised that he is still looking for a club with the season already three games old. You know, as we said, 
three games in, it can be hard to tell or to, to draw any conclusions. But was there anything, uh, is there anything that stood out for you in terms of uh, performances? And, you know, what do you think the, the season ahead might hold? Uh, Ryan Manning stood out, got into the team of the week for Swansea. I could see him having a good season. I think he's settling now with Swansea. And he could be our left back or our left wing back for the next few games, potentially, with um, with that injury to Stevens as well. So I'd like to see him have a good season. I'd love to see Nathan Collins as well get a few caps. I know we've talked about him already. I suppose the standout really was Duffy, wasn't it? You know, he's going to come out of nowhere and he's that man of the match, like which is huge considering like how bad it went last season. And I think Brighton would be foolish to get rid of him. I don't think they'd get rid of him, but I, you could see him playing a few games there yet this season, and it'd be great to see him get a run back in the team. Other than that, I suppose you're looking at Parrott with his two goals, and Callum Robinson has started well as well. So like it's, it's early days, but you'd be hoping a lot of these players will just get solid football. That's what you're looking for. And then obviously you have the question marks about uh, Malumbi and Brady, and you hope they're their clubs get sorted soon because we, we definitely need midfielders. Especially Malumbi, it's kind of stuttered a bit for him. He, he did okay at Preston, but he's back now, so he'll obviously be going out the door again in the next week. And especially, he's a bit of a chance there now, especially with Jason Knight injured. That's a big loss. So, that, they were the main standouts, I think. I'd agree with you on Callum Robinson. Uh, I think playing in the Championship, playing uh, with West Brom, uh, he's two goals in his open two games. Seems to be, you know, I think the change in manager has done him good as well. They're going to be one of the favourites to go straight back up. And it's it's good to see him playing with a smile on his face. Freeman rated for us, I think. I, I think in general, I think he's a great player. Oh, yeah, I definitely like, agree. I mean, be, like, of, our, of our front three, he should be first on the team sheet every time. But there's always a little question, I suppose, from people. Which I don't understand. I think his finishing sometimes lets him down. He's not a clinical striker. Don't get, he's a he's a, he's an inside right. He's not a, he's not a number nine. And I think people are expecting him to score more goals maybe than he does, or maybe convert more of the chances that he gets. And I think he's more of a player that runs with the ball into the box to either create a chance for for a striker or to shoot himself and. It maybe it might say more about the players that are around him as well because I, I think he's the kind of player that you need to not build a side around, but you kind of have to pick the, the players around him to get the best out of him. You know that he he you know he, he's, you're not looking at him to track back, you're not looking at him to to make tackles, and you kind of do need those players around him so to release him to get the best out of him and. It's a strange situation where we don't have uh, an obvious player to, to fill that role. Now, maybe Jamie McGrath could step up. He's certainly shown last season in Scotland that he's capable of doing that. Uh, if James McCarthy can prove his fitness at Celtic, uh, I think he's he's definitely capable of it. And I think he's a player that Stephen Kenny name-checked before as uh, a central figure in his ideal team. But due to his, his injury record, he hasn't been available to the manager at all. I'm really disappointed that Wayne Rooney decided to enter Jason Knight and is unavailable for us. I think he was one of the big standout players in the two friendlies at the at the end of last season for us. Um, uh, showed a lot of promise. You know, showed a, he had a great engine. Seemed to be uh, appear in 
both boxes, uh, all throughout, all throughout both games against, uh, Andorra and Hungary. And now look, bad tackles happen in training all the time and we just happen to be on the receiving end of a, of an unfortunate one. One of the maybe surprising benefits of it is that it's allowed Festi Ebaselli into the first team exactly. at yeah. Derby. So, you know, God closes the door and opens the window. I did see him play a few times for the under, various underage sides. I do remember him getting sent off once and throwing his jersey on the ground in disgust, but uh, I, well, I hope that he's matured from that, and I would, I would never criticise a player for, for being angry with, with what was, uh, as I recall, a fairly innocuous challenge that he was uh, showing a second yellow for. He might be ready for senior international football, but I think he'll definitely be part of the, the under-21 squad. Um, when that gets announced for their two qualifiers in September. Um, and look, if they say that because they're not the senior team of three games, someone who puts their hand up in the two under-21 matches could be rewarded with a, a late call-up to the senior team, then you know, I definitely think he's a player we can watch out for. You know, I was looking at through the, the passing stats for Irish players in England over the weekend, and I probably shouldn't be too surprised to see Wes Hillen's name it's, uh, still there. Completed 84% of his, his 50 passes and he had completed five key passes for Cambridge, which was two more than any other player. Now, we did say that in hindsight, he probably should have been brought in for the, the Luxembourg game last year that we've all tried to block out of our memories. I don't think he would refuse to call up, but I think that possibly calling him up uh, would be a mistake if we're looking to, to develop the team. Uh, Mark, what do you think? I think we're really in massive crisis mode if we're actually looking to go back to Wes Hulan. Don't get me wrong, absolute quality player. And you can see it, you know, League 2, he was a revelation last year. He was one of the players of the year. League 1, he started the same. But really and truly, guys, he'd be naming out guys, young guys and young potential that need to be kind of breaking through. I mean, if Stephen Kenny decides to go against the, the underage ethos that he's been kind of driving for someone like Wes Hulan, I think massive question marks would have to be mentioned over his managerial tenure on the national team personally um, it, it's really kind of a real stopgap measure if that's the case but again Wes has never ruled out retiring for Ireland as well so but again uh, I think for Wes he's going to enjoy his football with Cambridge this year in League 1 he seems to be enjoying himself in terms of performances I know Cambridge haven't started well uh, lost her two league games so far but Wes has been very prominent in terms of assists here so but yeah I wouldn't I would be against it anyway Joe just even with the amount of options, we like think of all the players we've named in the last half an hour. Like there's so many young players there with potential, who you would surely be given a call up instead of him. I suppose the ultimate role would be call him up and don't play him, leave him on the bench. Just imagine. for all time's sake. Can, can yeah. you imagine? Just <laughs> for all time's sake. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, but given the result against Luxembourg, I wouldn't have been opposed to him getting called up and just being kept on the bench. You know, just in case. Before that game, we didn't look like winning, and we certainly and we didn't look like scoring under the new manager. And you kind of thought maybe a player with his ability would be yeah, insurance policy, even against a team like Luxembourg. Yeah. Even before the Luxembourg game, I, I remember we had been talking about Aidan McGeady, and I was kind of scoffing at the fact that everyone was gone about Aidan McGeady. And I remember 80 minutes into the Luxembourg game, I was like, so we had Aidan McGeady, you know, just sticking in the top corner like he used to. You know, against like Azerbaijan or something, wouldn't it be great. So you can see the thought process behind it, like for the for bringing Wales into the Luxembourg game. I think another player maybe that 
we've kind of been expecting a lot of for it feels like two or three seasons now, but has finally made the breakthrough to his club side is Gavin Kilkenny at Bournemouth. Um, for whatever reason, even though he seemed to be performing well for their underage sides and uh, in pre-season, he just couldn't seem to get into the, the Cherries first team. But he was given a chance at the start of this season and has hit the ground running for, for Bournemouth, playing a slightly different role maybe than what we expected him to do, you know, playing a little deeper in midfield and the player that kind of looks to provide the assist on the assist, if you like. But he completed 31 of his 34 passes at the weekend, you know, nine, nine, more than 91%. Well, will Mark Travers keep that number one spot for the season? He's had a strong start. And again, Scott Parker coming in has given everyone a, a keen slate to prove themselves. So, I mean, I'm delighted to see Mark Travers featuring the goal for Bournemouth because last season it looked a little bit dodgy for him. Given with Jonathan Woodgate in there, was being completely frozen out of the first team. Um, and also, didn't he go on loan to Swindon for a little bit and then was returned back to the loan club? So... Yeah, he was recalled due to an injury to the first yeah. team, uh, which meant that his loan deal, his loan deal was cancelled before it really, before it really had a chance to get going, which was really unfortunate for him because he was looking for first team football. Yeah. And to go out on loan to do that is, and to drop a division is, is quite brave. And circumstances interfered and he had to return to his parent club and spend the rest of the season on the bench, which is, which is really unfortunate, but for the player himself and for the national side. Exactly, but Bournemouth have started very well in the championship, Skybet Championship this year, and I don't think Scott Parker is going to be tinkering too much with the the starting lineup, and I think Travers is going to be a key part of that. So, no, he's had a strong start to the season. I think Gavin Kilkenny as well. Look with Scott Parker in there as manager, you know, one of probably best box box midfielders, you know, in Premier League. He's has a good mentor there to kind of develop and nurture him. So, I think that can only be good for Gavin Kilkenny as well. I imagine boys were thinking that potentially a dark horse get called up for the Portugal game. I don't know about a dark horse. I'd say he's nil uncertainty. He's he's a certainty to get called into the squad. Whether or not he the manager throws him in in the first game, you know, away to a European powerhouse is another thing. But I think you'll definitely uh, we'll see him against Kazakhstan and against uh, Serbia. We'll cover those two games uh, maybe a bit closer to the first game against Portugal on the 1st of September in greater detail. And uh, also the two uh, under-21 qualifiers that are coming up in in September. Uh, So before we finish up the first episode of the new season, Phil, do you have any predictions you want to make for the 2021-22 season? I don't have any massive predictions. I could honestly see Parrott getting called back to Tottenham at Christmas if he... If he keeps scoring, um, if they let Kane go and they don't sign someone as good as Kane, which maybe they won't, like the Premier League is a is a long slog, and as well as that, Ryan Manning as well, I think is is going to have a big season in the Championship. It's hard to really make any predictions other than that big ones because there's still a lot of players in flux at the moment. You'd love to see Duffy have a big season as well, hopefully. Mark, what do you think? I know sometimes it's uh, it's hard to make any predictions for what's going to happen in the next 24 hours in football, but uh, what do you think is going to happen in the next few months? Oh, the crystal ball is out here. I think Nathan Collins is one to probably have a good look at. I think just given Burnley and the lack of transfer activity really at the football club, as I said at the start of the podcast, I 
believe one of the two regular centre halves may be sold to offset kind of financial losses there of the ownership. I think Nathan Collins is probably a lock to get some game time pretty soon. I'll be looking forward to see Jimmy Dunn in QPR. You know, he made the decision, a bold decision at that, to reject a long-term contract with Burnley to move to QPR. I think Jimmy Dunn has all the attributes to become a, a, a superb footballer with QPR, with Mark Warburton in charge. So that's another one that I'll be really looking forward to. And I'm an Owen Doyle fan. I think he's going to light it up at Bolton League One. I think 10, 12 goals this season. Uh, Bolton are playing lovely brand of football uh, this season under Ian Evett. So uh, we might be talking about him as the season goes on. Not a whole probably of getting into a, an international call-up, but I think he might be a prominent goal scorer and sister for um, Bolton next uh, this season. All right. For me, I think that... Stephen Kenny is going to be there till the end of the current qualifiers, but I genuinely don't know if he's going to be our manager on New Year's Day, January 1st, 2022. I think of the three games that are coming up in September, he's really looking at a minimum of four points. Not to save his job, but to, to keep the, maybe to extend it beyond New Year's Day. It's very on defense prediction, Joe. Yeah. Uh, I think in terms of uncapped players to be capped in the next 12 months. Uh, I'm genuinely shocked that Anthony Scotty hasn't been part of the manager's thoughts this far. I, I know he's a League One player, but we are picking players from League One now, um, and he's one of the standouts. going to say that I think one of the dual nationality players, we're going to lose at least one of them. So if you look, if you think that Armstrong, Alcaflex, Mipo, Odebico, and uh, now Connor Noss, has mentioned that the German national side have taken an interest in him. I think we're going to lose at least one of them. It's unfortunate, but look, it's football, and I'm going to make a stunning prediction that we're not going to get out of this qualifiers group, uh, this current qualifying group, and we're not going to get into the playoffs. Our dash was decided after the game against Luxembourg, um, and there's there's very little we can do about it. But, you know, hope, hope always springs eternal, and you know we've mentioned a lot of young players that seem to be making their mark uh, have already made their mark on the current season and we're hoping that they can push on and do the same for the for the national side I mean and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to live football again I'm looking forward to going back to games and the end hopefully of well everything else that's gone on for the last 18 months regarding Stephen Rice and his close relationship with Stephen Kenny no he's been well regarded in Crystal Palace the under 23 setup, and for him to uh kind of leave that parole and work with Stephen Kenny and the rest of the, man- the management team for the Andorra Hungarian uh, friendlies. Obviously, he's made an impact because he's now joining full-time, so it'll be interesting to see, starting with Portugal, what his opposition, Alanis Notes, may be, uh, how to stop the likes of Fernandes, Ronaldo, uh, yeah. and so Mark forth. The, so. Mark the big lad wearing number seven. Oh, apparently so, yeah. Apparently he's a bit of a danger man. So, but no, it'd be interesting just to see what Stephen Rice, uh, what he brings to the table. Um, you know, particularly with Anthony Barry there. The backroom staff has been improved as we've gone along. So another, it could be another shrewd um, acquisition from uh, Stephen Kenny. What do you make of the change in the backroom staff, actually? Um, when you think about the support staff that Stephen Kenny at the start, you know, Damien Duff has stepped down, Alan Kelly has stepped down, Dean Kiley has come in, Anthony Barry is here from Chelsea, and now Stephen Rice. The new coaches that have come in have been improvements on what has gone before, and 
coaches come and go from teams and from international sides all the time. It's a lot of turnover in, in for a manager that's only been in, has has only been in charge for for eighteen months. It's a fair point. You know, it's it's unusual for international management setups to be in such a state of flux. You know, particularly with Damien Duff after Wembley Gate, I think Alan Kelly. You know, as well, there was nothing to Jersey, but I think there was an after effect from that England friendly. Um, but again, it's kind of injecting a bit of fresh blood, fresh faces, minds into it. I think the Anthony Barry acquisition, I think, was probably a key one as well, just to kind of, um, particularly in our midfield area, our creativity, uh, you know, how we're looking to provide a bit of up tempo in our passing play. Now, it's not going to be ideal, like Jason Knight not being available for us, particularly in these international friendlies after that Wayne Rooney training ground incident. But, um, but again, it's just adding kind of new energy to, you know, to the, to the, to the squad and to the panel, really, to have new faces in there. So it is a strange one, but I think these guys had all their personal reasons why they wanted to leave. And I think even Stephen Rice there, he's well regarded. So, you know, and he'll hit the ground running as well. Um, so. Again, Steve Kenny's trying to <laughs> get to grips with international football. He's had a few games now to kind of really know what he needs from the background staff, and hopefully we may see some good performances come September. I suppose the the lack of Irish players in the Premier League in the opening weekend, I think I counted nine altogether for, with all the squads that were included on the matchday squads, which is quite low. Uh, it was noticeable that Two of the teams that came up really don't have any Irish players in Brentford and Watford. I don't think is there anyone there. I don't think there's anyone there in the two. Brian Cassidy is with Watford, but I think he's he's carrying a bit of a long-term injury at the moment. And Alex Gil Alex Gilbert is with, with uh, Brentford, but I think he'll be he might only appear in the cup for them this season. Yeah, which kind of brings me on to just the one other point I wanted to make. We're back to the three subs, which could have a, a bit of a an impact. I wonder will I wanted to get your opinions on this. Like, will it have an impact on minutes for Irish players? Like, we've we've had five subs last season, so maybe extra minutes all round for everybody. And I see that the Championship and and the lower leagues have gone back to seven subs named on the bench, whereas the Premier League's actually gone up to nine. So maybe you might see a few extra faces in the Premier League, but maybe less in the Championship. And I'm just wondering, will that have a, an impact on minutes? on fringe players or what do you think I think with the extra option we had that managers had with five uh, with five subs uh, uh, you know Covid considerations aside you could take a player off because he might have looked tired and you might just need some uh, a fresh pair of legs but going back to three subs now means you have to be a bit more tactical uh, with your substitutions um, and you know I'm, look, I'm sure they'll be very aware of each player's physical condition and how long how long he can actually play on the pitch, um, and what the the difference it might make to taking him off on seventy minutes or you know sixty or seventy minutes, or rather let him play the full ninety. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it is going to lead to a, a drop in minutes for Irish players this season. One player that we didn't get to see in the opening weekend, and I'm, I'm really disappointed, was Andrew Omovamadeli, who unfortunately has is sick um, and wasn't available for Norwich. I yeah, I think we're going to be looking at the the, the lower half of the division again uh, for appearances by Irish players. Okay, it's just the way things are at the moment. Um, we seem to be kind of constantly 
on the brink of, you know, one or two players breaking through and it just for whatever reason doesn't happen. Uh, and then, but on the other end of the scale, we have Seamus Coleman making his 300th Premier League appearance, you know, still Everton's captain under, uh, under the new manager and putting in an absolutely stellar performance. I've really enjoyed chatting with Mark and Phil again about football. We're all feeling a bit refreshed after the first real break in football um, since the first lockdown in March of 2020. It kind of felt like after it returned, it was just a uh, straight through until the, the European Championship final in Wembley in July. I'd like to thank Mark uh, and Phil for joining me again. Uh, you can follow Mark on Twitter at Hawkeye Psychic, and you can follow Philip at The Bottom is Pit of Football. In our next episode, we're going to preview the three qualifiers in September. We'll be recording that soon, and uh, I hope you will join us then. Okay, thanks. Bye.